0: Let's bow in prayer. You may be seated, church. Our holy and good and almighty God, we do praise Your name and we praise Your name forevermore. We hail You as King over sin and death. We hail You as King over all of life issues and difficulties and challenges. We hail You as King over the wind and the rain. We praise Your holy name for You are worthy of all honor and glory and praise and renown our King Jesus. And we love You. And we worship You in this place. We worship You, those attending online. We bow our hearts to You in worship and in praise. And we ask, O King Jesus, that Your Spirit, the Holy Spirit, would come and open our hearts and minds to listen and receive and absorb Your Word. And Holy Spirit, help us, O Spirit, to apply the Word of God in our lives because we want to exalt our King in and through our lives so that the world would know that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, church. I would invite you right now just in your heart of hearts to praise God for the cool breeze. Amen? The cool breeze that we get this morning. For those of you tuning in online, it's raining if you can't see behind me. But man, does it feel good. Other times I've been in this position and the sun's been beating on me and I've been sweating profusely. But we have a cool breeze this morning, church. Amen? Praise God for that. God loves it when we give Him praise. Amen? I mean, for the smallest things. Thank you for the breeze. Thank you for my health. Thank you for breakfast this morning. Thank You that we can still have church today. Amen? We need to give God praise. That lifts up our King. Our King Jesus. When we give Him praise. And I'm thankful for this breeze this morning. And I'm thankful for all of you. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity to be able to share God's Word with us today. From Matthew chapter 21, verses 23 through 32. If you've got your Bibles, electronic Bibles, or you've got your paper Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 21 and verses 23 through 32. And the title of our message for today is "Only Jesus all for Jesus. Only Jesus all for Jesus." Paul, in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21, he said, "For me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain." Paul's life, once he had been transformed by the power of the Gospel there on that road to Damascus to persecute Christians, his life was transformed. And he had one mission. That was to know Christ and the power of His resurrection, Philippians 3, and to make Jesus known through the power of Christ's Spirit at work in Him. Through His life and with His lips. And I am dissatisfied with my life because I'm not there yet. But oh, do I want to be? Do you want to be church? Do you want to be more and more living your life only for Jesus, all for Jesus? If you do say amen with me this morning. Hello? Thank you. And if we want to live only for Jesus and all for Jesus as citizens of his kingdom, then there are some things that ought to characterize our life as citizens of the kingdom. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. Those things which ought to characterize our life as citizens of the kingdom. From Matthew 21 and verses 23 through 32. Let me read the text for us from the English Standard Version of God's Word. Beginning in verse 23 of Matthew chapter 1. The Bible says, And when he, that's Jesus, entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came up to him, and as he was teaching, and said, By what authority are you doing these things, and who gave you this authority? Verse 24, Jesus answered them, I also will ask you one question, and if you tell me the answer, then I also will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John From where did it come, Jesus asked the religious leaders of Israel, from heaven or from man? And they discussed it among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Why then did you not believe him? But if we say from man, we are afraid of the crowd, for they all hold that John was a prophet. So in verse 27, So they answered Jesus, We do not know. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things things the first point that i want to present to us this morning church from this text is that citizens of the kingdom of heaven do not question jesus's authority citizens of the kingdom of heaven do not question jesus's authority obviously the leaders of the jews the religious leaders of the jews the pharisees and the teachers of the law and the scribes they were questioning jesus's authority you see, if we move back up at the, at the beginning of Matthew chapter 1, Jesus comes riding into Jerusalem to ultimately go to a cross on behalf of you and me. And as He comes in, He's riding in on a donkey. They are praising Him, saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. And then He goes on, after His, his uh, entrance, He goes to the temple of God there in Jerusalem. And as He goes into the temple of God, as it is the time of the Passover, he's seeing uh, merchants there in the temple courts selling animals that the Jewish people would buy to make their sacrifices to the Lord during the time of the Passover. But what Jesus saw was, it wasn't about, it wasn't about worship unto Yahweh. It, they weren't making God's house a house of prayer. They were making God's house a place to do business. And Jesus runs the merchants out. He overturns the money changers' tables. He runs them out of the temple. And the Bible says there at the beginning of Matthew 21 that He heals the blind. He gives sight to the blind. That He heals the lame, those who were not able to walk. And it goes on to say there in that text that the children were praising Jesus as the Messiah. And man, did that get under the skin of the Pharisees. They did not like it at all that Jesus was stealing their spotlight. They did not want Him to gain a following because they wanted the honor. They loved to sit at the heads of the table. They loved to propel themselves as holy and right with God and everybody else was less. But Jesus was coming and as the truth he was proclaiming the truth. And they did not like it. They did not like it one bit that He was self-proclaiming Himself as the Davidic Messiah. But the children recognized it. You see the contrast? And they were worshiping Him. And then He goes on and tells the, uh, the parable of the fig tree that Anthony did a beautiful job at explaining last Sunday. And then we arrive at our text for today. The, the Pharisees are still upset. They're still heated. And they're trying, as they did many times, to trap Jesus in a corner. They wanted to try to get Him to say the wrong thing. And they asked Him a question. By what authority are you doing these things? And as, Je- and as Jesus so often did, He answered their question with a question. And He said, well, let me ask you a question. You know, John the Baptist, by what authority did he do what he was doing? And is preaching the kingdom of God and proclaiming that the kingdom of God is here. And calling people to repent to God and be baptized in a baptism of a repentance. Where was his authority come? Well, now the Pharisees were rattled, weren't they? Because they knew if they said if his authority was from heaven, Jesus saying, well, if you believe that, 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 that John's authority was from heaven, and you say you believe God, why don't you believe John's message? Are you tracking with me? you understand? So they, they didn't say that. And then, they got, then they're scratching their heads again. And they said, but, you know... If we say that John's authority was self-made, that he didn't have any heavenly authority, his authority wasn't from God, then there could be a riot. Because the people, the Jewish people, like the sinners and the prostitutes and the tax collectors that we're going to see here in a minute, they were believing the message of John. They were believing that a Messiah was, was, was coming soon. And they were repenting of their sin. And the Pharisees knew if they said that John's authority wasn't from heaven, it would cause an uproar among the people. And that's exactly what they didn't want. That's exactly what they didn't want. Because then that would attract the attention of Rome and the Roman government, and that's exactly what they didn't want to do. So they were stuck. So they played dumb. Pura pura, gatao. That's Indonesian for. They acted like they didn't know where His authority came from. Jesus, dear friends, we know, just as John's authority came from God, that the Father has given all authority to Jesus. Amen? That Jesus is all-authoritative God. And if we Indeed, are citizens of the kingdom. We don't question His authority. In Matthew's rendition of the Great Commission, in Matthew 28 and verse 18, the Bible says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Given by whom? All authority in the, uh, uh, of the universe and everything in it has been given to Jesus. And it's been given by whom? Well, he tells us. Jesus tells us in Matthew 11, All things have been handed over to me by my father the father has given all authority over the universe and everything in it to his son the lord jesus christ and jesus is lord do you believe that this morning jesus is lord and the religious leaders of Pharaoh, and the religious leaders of israel did not want to submit to jesus as lord one day everybody will submit to Jesus as lord. Philippians chapter 2 verses 9 through 11 the apostle Paul wrote therefore god has highly exalted him him is jesus and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that jesus christ is lord to the glory of god the father amen Oh, dear friends, we need to understand that if we call ourselves Christians, we call ourselves citizens, residents of the kingdom, that we are under the authority of Jesus. He is Lord, and we are His people. We are His servants. It's going to lead us to our next point in just a moment. Let me carry on in our text. Matthew 21. Continue on with our text in verse 28. And to explain more about Jesus being Lord and having all authority, he gives a parable of the two sons. This is different than Luke chapter 16, the parable of two sons that I had the, the privilege of preaching on months ago. This is another parable of two sons. And Jesus says in 28 verse 28 of Matthew 21, what do you think? He's still talking to the religious leaders. He said, a man had two sons. And he went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. Verse 29, and he answered, I will not. But afterward he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, the first. Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed Him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe Him. The second characteristic that I want to see from our text today, beloved, is that citizens of the kingdom of heaven believe in and are yielded to Jesus. Citizens of the kingdom of heaven believe in and are yielded to Jesus. Jesus uses this parable of the two sons, okay, uh, The first son, the first son we see here in the text, at first his father who owned a vineyard told him to go and work in the vineyard. And initially he said, no, I'm not going to. But after a while he went and obeyed, submitted, yielded to his father, right? Well, the second son, the father says the same thing, go and work in the vineyard. And he says, okay, dad, I'll go. But does he ever go? He doesn't ever go. And Jesus asked them, which one obeyed the Father? The Father's will. Well, of course it was the first one. Jesus is using these two sons to talk about two different groups of people. The first son was representing the prostitutes, the tax collectors. Those who at first didn't believe. At first they decided they knew about the law of Moses. They knew That that their God, Yahweh, had led their people out of Egypt years ago and through the desert and into the Promised Land. They knew the truth, but they were were deciding to go their own way. Tax collectors were known, as we know as a tax collector like Zacchaeus, he was all about making money. He didn't think much about the Lord. He was living for Zacchaeus and to, and to, to build up his bank account. Prostitutes. These would have been Jewish ladies. They knew the truth. But they were trapped in sin, the sin of sexual immorality. But so at first, like the first son, they said no. But ultimately they believed. Ultimately, they believed. They believed the message of John the Baptist. What was John the Baptist's message? Well, John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. The Bible says God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. That was John's message. That was the core of John the the Baptist's message be considered the last of the Old Testament prophets, even though we see him in the New Testament. But his ministry was before the three-year ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was calling people to turn from their sins, to turn to God, and to believe that the Messiah, the light, was coming. And those that you would least expect to believe that, the prostitutes and the tax collectors, were the ones that were believing that. Hallelujah. And their lives were turning around because they believed. To believe, the word for believe in the New Testament means to totally trust in, to have complete confidence in, to totally rely. And that's what they were doing. They knew they couldn't clean themselves up. They knew they were filthy sinners, just like each and every one of us. Their only hope was For the forgiveness of their sins and to be reconciled to God was to put their hope in a Messiah who was about to come on the scene. And I want to tell you today, friends, all of us, we may not have a tax collector background. We may not have a prostitute background. But we've got a background. I've got a background. I'm not happy about it. I'm not proud of it. But I know the one who cleaned me up. Amen? I know the one who set me free. I know me going to church Ever since I can remember until when, that won't save me. Attending Sunday school, going on a youth trip, reading my Bible, praying, that wouldn't save me. The only thing that could save me was the precious blood of Jesus shed on Calvary's cross. And finally, praise God, the Holy Spirit touched my life. You know my testimony when I was 24, alone in my apartment in Columbus, Ohio. And I finally, I surrendered my life to Jesus. And I said, Jesus, I'm trusting in You alone to forgive me of my sins and to make me right with God. I want to follow You. And if we believe, then we subject ourselves to His Lordship. The Pharisees, who were categorizing the second son, they didn't believe the message of John. They refused to believe that Jesus of Nazareth, this poor carpenter boy, could be the Messiah. So don't even think that they wanted to subject themselves to him. And Jesus goes on to say in verse 31 there, which of the two did the will of his Father? They said the first. Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, now he's not holding back anymore. He's speaking directly to these hypocrites who still need the gospel. But their hearts were hardened. He said, I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. The least become first, and the first become last. You know, Jesus references the tax collectors and the prostitutes here. You know, one of the tax collectors whose life was radically transformed by Jesus was Matthew, who under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit penned the Gospel of Matthew that we've been studying for over two years. Matthew was making a lot of money living there in Capernaum. He was a Jewish tax collector. Had a great career. But in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 9, the Bible says as Jesus passed on from there, He saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and He said to him, Follow Me. And he rose and followed him. Obedience. Biblical faith. If we say we have biblical faith, but we are not submitted, yielded, to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, to obey His Word, to obey His Spirit. Oh dear friends, that's not biblical faith. Now we all fall short. I definitely fall short every day. But we ought to hate it when we do. We ought to get on our knees and repent when we fall short because we love Jesus. And we want to obey Him. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. John fourteen fifteen. 15. If we love somebody, we want to make them happy. Amen? You love your wife. You love your, your husband. You want to please them. You want to make them happy. You want them to be happy that they married you. You want to obey the rules and laws of marriage. You want to be faithful. How much more to Jesus for all that He's done for us? Do we want to be faithful? Do we want to follow Him when He says, Follow me? Matthew did. The woman at the well in John chapter 4 did. The Bible doesn't outright say that she'd a prostitute, but Jesus had told her you've already had five husbands before the guy you're living with now. But He talked about having, having water, a spring of water that would well up in her to eternal life. He talked to her there at that well. And she said in verse 15 of John 4, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water transformed life right there at that well. That well that she was going to at at the noon part of the day there in the scorching hot sun because she was ashamed of her lifestyle and she didn't want to meet any other ladies that would have been there early in the morning. But her life changed right there because she met Jesus. She met Jesus. She met Jesus who said, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Oh, that dear sister found rest that day. Hallelujah. And if you're listening today, if you're here today, and you're still restless because you're not resting in Jesus, you come to Jesus today and give Him your life. It is the best decision that anyone could ever make. And He will change you. And you'll begin to yield to His Lordship over your life, just like this woman did. In verse 39 of John 4, what did she go and do? After she gave her life to Jesus to be His witness, it says many Samaritans from that town believed in Him because of the woman's testimony. Here was a woman that before that, before she had encountered Jesus, was embarrassed. She was ashamed. She didn't want to encounter the public. But when she met Jesus, things changed. She wasn't ashamed anymore. And she went to the public and told them about the Messiah. Immediately, she yielded to be His witness. We're going to talk more about that in a minute. Oh, dear friends, citizens of the kingdom not only believe in Jesus, but if we believe, if we are completely trusting And I'm not just talking about for salvation, but I'm talking about day to day. I'm talking about with your business right now that's struggling. I'm talking about in your marriage right now that's struggling. I'm talking about in another relationship. Trusting Jesus, depending on Him. Oh dear friends, if we're doing that, then we're going to obey Him. And we're going to be sensitive to hear His Spirit living in us. I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit this morning. Where is the God man right now? Jesus is the God man, right? Fully God, fully man. Where is he? In bodily form, where is he? Well, Mark chapter 16, verse 19 tells us. Mark 16, 19 says So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. So where is Jesus in bodily form now? He's in heaven. He's at the right hand of God. Is He still with us? Of course He is. Let's keep looking into Scripture. John chapter 14, 16 through 17. Jesus said this. He said, I will ask the Father and He will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. Who is this another helper? Another helper. In the, in the, in the Greek here, the word is alon Parakleton, And the, word, the base form of the word alon is alos. Alos is an adjective. It means another. Numerically, but of the same kind. Which is in contrast to heteros, which means another qualitatively, but other, a different one. Marriage is a heterosexual relationship between a man, male, and a woman, a female heterosexual relationship. Jesus uses the opposite of heteros, he uses alos. What does he mean by that? Another, but of the same kind. And then he goes on to say, I'm going to explain in a minute. And then he goes on to say alon parakleton or alos parakletos. What is parakletos? Or the paraclete. That's the Holy Spirit. And the verb of parakletos is parakletou, which means to comfort, to encourage, to exhort. Refers to a help or an aid of any kind. And in the Greek writers, they, they use the word parakletos or paraklete to talk about a legal advisor, a pleader, a proxy, an advocate. One who comes forward in behalf of and as the representative of Another. So, from the Greek grammar, from the original text, alos parakletos, here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I'm designating the Holy Spirit as paraklete. And I'm not calling Him heteros. I'm calling Him alos, which means another. Which means, disciples, another of equal quality. Therefore, The Holy Spirit is designated by Jesus Christ as equal with Himself. This is so important for us to understand. The Holy Spirit is not, excuse me, a second class citizen. He is equally God, just as the Father is God, just as the Son is God. The Holy Spirit is called a paraclete. Because he undertakes Jesus' office in the world. Because Christ in bodily form, the God-man, is in heaven at the right hand of the Father. The Holy Spirit is called the paraclete, beloved, because he acts as Jesus' substitute on the earth. And he indwells every one of us that have repented of our sins and put our faith and the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. He is no second-class citizen. And if we are to be yielded to Jesus, then we are to be yielded to His Spirit that lives in us. In Romans chapter 8, verse 9, the Apostle Paul refers to the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of God and also as the Spirit of Christ. So to be yielded to Jesus is to be yielded and subjected to His Spirit that lives in us. Why is this so important? It's so important, brothers and sisters, because the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, witnesses for Christ and speaks to us on behalf of Christ whom He represents. Scriptural backing for that. John 14, verse 26. Jesus goes on to teach about the Holy Spirit. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in My name, He will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance all that I have said to you. It's very important that we understand. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit reveals in us God's Word. Helps us understand. The Holy Spirit does not does not give a new revelation outside of the canon of Scripture. That can can derail a brother or a sister if we believe that. The Holy Spirit in us brings to life God's Word and reminds us of God's Word. Oh dear friends, one instance... Right before the pandemic, I was asked by a, a relative of ours to assist her in bringing a group to Israel and Egypt. A Holy Land tour. And when we were there, we had gotten into Israel. As soon as we got into Israel, Bethlehem had closed down because a tourist had gotten COVID. This was the beginning of March 2020. And so we had to go on. We had to go on to Nazareth. We were able to stay in Nazareth a few days and see the Galilean region. We were leaving Nazareth to go to Jerusalem. And we were, we were stopping off in another city to eat lunch. And we got our Israeli tour guide told myself and my, my relative who was leading the tour, I have to get you out of Israel right now. Because if I don't get you out, if I don't get you to the Egyptian border and get you into Egypt, you and your party could be quarantined for two weeks here. Minimum. Man, I got that news. I was like, oh no. And my relative was so stressed out. Bless her heart. And because, you know, we felt sorry for our... Those who were joining us on the tour, they weren't perhaps not going to get to Jerusalem. The situation was just very hectic and uncertain. And we were in the bus headed towards Jerusalem. And the Holy Spirit reminded me of Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Do not be afraid or be discouraged. I will be with you Jonathan and the people that you are leading on this bus wherever you go the Holy Spirit reminded me that and I had confidence it's like I knew that promise of God but that promise of God just like flooded my spirit at that point point. and God gave me wisdom and we were at a crossroads if we went right we would go into Jerusalem If we went straight, we would head to Egypt. And our tour leader, who I was under her authority, still wanted to go to Jerusalem. She still thought we should go to Jerusalem. We could do it. But I knew, I knew, I knew we needed to go to Egypt right then. And she was quiet. And I told the bus driver, go to Egypt. And I knew God was going to be with us. And it was quite an ordeal getting out of Israel, getting through immigration at Egypt, and finally getting on a plane from Egypt a few days later and getting back to Indonesia. But my God was with us wherever we were. The Holy Spirit reminded me of God's promise. Do you understand that? I know you've experienced that. And it's so real. The Spirit does not speak beyond or outside of what the Bible has already said. But what He does is He takes God's Word and He brings it alive in us. Amen? John 16, 13 When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak and He will declare to you the things that are to come. He does not speak extra-biblically. He doesn't speak outside of the Bible. But He takes what God's already written and brings it alive to us. He hears from heaven. He hears from the Son. He hears from the Father. And He gives it to us. He declares to us what we're supposed to do. So when I'm in a bus, and we're in Israel, and, oh no, what should we do? Should we stay? Should we go? God, God's Spirit reminds me of a promise. And I knew we needed to head to Egypt for our own safety. And we did. And praise God we got back to Indonesia safely. Nobody got COVID. And when we're doing that, you see the Holy Spirit, one of His blessed and glorious functions is to glorify Jesus. Amen? John 16.14 Jesus goes on to teach about the Spirit. He says, He will glorify me, for He will take what is mine and declare it to you. So, the Holy Spirit in us, when we are living under His leadership, He's working through us so that our life exposes and shows Jesus to the world. And dear friends, this is the last point I want to make. Citizens of the kingdom of heaven make much of Jesus. They make much of Jesus. What does it mean to make much of? It means to ascribe much attention to. You look at Paul's life. He made much of Jesus. So as we believe in Christ, we're yielded to Christ we're yielded to his spirit within us, we will function as effective witnesses for Jesus. And that's what we're called to do. You know, we go back to Matthew and his story, and Matthew chapter 9 and verse 10. Right after Jesus had called him, you know, to follow me, Matthew, and he immediately obeys and leaves his career and his money and goes to follow Jesus. The very next verse in verse 10 of Matthew 9, it says, And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. The very next thing, what what does he do? He invites all of his lost friends to his house for a dinner so they could meet Jesus. Immediately after he believed and yielded to Jesus, my life is to make much of the Messiah. So he brought his lost friends to come dine at the table so they could meet the one who had just changed his life. Are we doing that? Are we doing that? You know, as I mentioned just previously, you know, our life as believers, as citizens of the kingdom, is to point to our King, to be His witnesses. Acts 1.8 the Bible says Jesus said right before he ascended to heaven, "But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth." So what Jesus is saying, "Is I've saved you to send you to witness for me in word and in deed." And who empowers you to do that? Who gives you that, that word power in the Greek is dunamis? It's where we get our word dynamite from, our English word dynamite. Who gives you the power to effectively be a witness for our family, for our coworkers, for those who we lead at our businesses, for our you know, fellow students and classmates around us? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. But in order for the Holy Spirit to be empowering us to effectively witness for Christ, we have to be walking by the Spirit. Galatians 5.16 Paul says, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit means let the Holy Spirit lead your life. Let the Holy Spirit lead your life. I just want to be open and honest with you. I come from a church background. We didn't talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. We talked about the Holy Spirit as the one who would convict us of sin. We talked about the Holy Spirit as the one that would take our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. But the daily, living, yielding, fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit I didn't didn't get a lot of that. I didn't hear that. But about three years ago, I I began to study. I began to study God's Word about the third member of the Divine Holy Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And the more I studied, the more the Word and the Spirit showed me I cannot live the Christian life day by day without the Holy Spirit empowering me to do so. And in order for Him to be empowering, I have to know Him. I have to be in a relationship with Him. Just like I'm in a relationship, a unique relationship with Jesus and the Father. You see, our God is three in one, just like we sang about in our first song this morning. One God, three persons, meaning they have three distinct and unique personalities. And I'd realized I haven't gotten to know the Holy Spirit. I don't commune with the Holy Spirit. In these last three years, I've been learning a lot. And I'm still learning. But I must say, I talk with Him. And I ask Him for guidance in my life throughout my day. Because I want to be in tune with Him. Because I want my life. I want my life to point to Christ. I fail a lot. But I want to. To the glory of God. Friends, I don't have any more time to talk about how do we develop and fellowship this fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Maybe at another time I can. But my prayer has been, my honest prayer has been in preparing for this message that through what I've been able to share today, and particularly about the blessed Paraclete, that you yourself might dive into Scripture and ask God to teach you about the Spirit. And that we more and more would walk in fellowship with Him be in communion with him. You say, John, how do you do that? Yeah, I talk to him. I just, I just talk to him like I talk to my wife in my own heart of hearts. I ask him for help and guidance, and, and he is called the Spirit of Wisdom to be my wisdom. See, the, the Bible gives us principles. Love your neighbor as yourself. But say, maybe we've got a coworker that's hard to love. We don't know how to love him or her as ourselves, but we ask, Holy Spirit, show me how. And the Holy Spirit says, you can take them, you know, a dessert tomorrow. And so we bring Him a dessert. And that kind of takes the edge off. And, you know, we're working in a more harmonious working relationship. He wants to do that. And I'm experiencing that in my own life. My wife experienced that just this past week as the Holy Spirit told her to pray about something and, and we know that she was supposed to pray about that. That's another story for another time. But, as citizens of the King we're to be yielded to His authority over our life as Lord. As citizens of the kingdom, we put our trust in Jesus and we yield to Him. If we're yielded to Jesus, we're yielded to His Spirit that lives in us. And as we do so, as we're yielded to the leadership of the Holy Spirit in us and we're walking in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit through us will be bearing fruit that points to our King to make much of Jesus to the glory of God. Our lives our anthem will be only Jesus, all for Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for Your Word. And we thank You for Your Spirit that helps us understand Your Word and apply it into our lives. So that in our weakness, but in the power of the Spirit. That we're living our lives as effective witnesses for Jesus, our King. There's no question of where our citizenship lies. We're citizens of the kingdom. Help us, Lord Jesus, to live for You and our families In our businesses, in our workplaces, in our places of study, and wherever we might find ourselves. So that more and more people can come to know Jesus as their personal Savior and Lord. We love you, Lord Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen.